Welcome to the UK Educators Community Podcast hosted by Sid, an outstanding woman in STEM award winner, serial entrepreneur and educational consultant. Now, my vision is to make maximum impact in the world through education, but I know I can't do this alone. So this is where you guys come in. Why don't you join me on this journey as we as educators and entrepreneurs create impact one child at a time. Join my Facebook group at UK Educators or find some great resources on my website at ukeducators.com. Today, we're going to be talking about social media marketing and what better way to talk about this than getting an expert in who also has some kind of insight into the education market, having worked in that previously as well. So how to grow your business through social media with Alex McCann. So Alex, welcome. I'm not going to try and pronounce your business name, so I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about you. Oh, fantastic. So the company's called Ultimate HQ, as you just said it on sort of the intro, like Birmingham, Aldringham, Birmingham. It's a town up in South Manchester in England. So what I've done, I've run the business now for coming up to 12 years this year. So we've been running it for a long time, working in social media, generally helping businesses and organizations grow their brand through social media. So we work with lots of big brands like the BBC and Costa Coffee and Selfridges and United Utilities and the NHS. And we work through to really small local businesses like tutors, education businesses and so on to help grow their small local brand on what we do. And each year as well, in terms of my education insight, I do work with numerous colleges over the years, but I've also have trained and taught probably in the region of 5,000 teenagers on the NCS program over the past few years. So teaching about social media and personal branding as well. Oh, brilliant. And tell us a bit more about the NCS program and what you did on there. Yeah, so each year, it's generally we've done it over summer and we've done it over Easter. So the NCS program, for those that probably know about it, is it's the program that young people go on, 16-year-olds, and they go away from home for the first time and then they come back to, say, somewhere like Manchester and they do a series of two weeks worth of workshops. And I slot into that. So each Thursday is normally on a summer I have groups of about 40, 50 teenagers and we have about five groups of those and we do it over five or six weeks. And I teach them on the importance of personal branding to start with, like what is a personal brand? Why is your personal brand important for your future education career and your your actual career? And it's a really good workshop. It's really insightful to like speak to the generation that's grown up with social media and uses it for fun to communicate with their friends, but doesn't necessarily say, actually, we're 16 years old, we're possibly going to university, we can use LinkedIn, we can use Twitter, we can use all these different platforms to actually portray ourselves in the right way and get our message across to open opportunity and work experience or just open that door in their career. It's really important. Social media can be a plaything for friends, but it can also be an important tool in branding. Do you find it slightly nerve-wracking going to like a group of teenagers who might know more about social media in some aspects than you might do? Because it's come later on in our generation Mm. while they've grown up with it. I think, yes, they potentially do know certain things that I might not know about. So we're talking TikTok. I'm absolutely hopeless on TikTok. It's not my platform. I'm not a dancer. I don't do pointing. But I think in terms of actually using it for their career, I don't think you know a huge amount. I mean, there is a huge difference. I think the big difference is the word marketing 
Like the social media, that's one thing. The social media marketing, that is another thing. And then the social media branding, which is a totally different thing, which is like they don't know how to portray themselves because 16 years old, they haven't really got the responsibility to think, oh, if I post this thing that my friends find funny, okay, what happens if your parents see that or a teacher or a potential employee see it? There's a radical world of difference. So I think, yes, some things they will know about that I might not know about and you might know to how to hack it to make themselves go viral in a funny way but not necessarily for their careers. Yeah, I think it's interesting kind of uh, two worlds kind of colliding where we've got uh, from the professional world and then teenagers where they're so on it, like they have a lot of skills like video editing and graphics and they know how to do things, but they don't usually know how to put that into good use. So I think what you're doing there is brilliant. Touching on that personal branding, because I think a lot of people don't realize what personal branding really is. We, We hear about it and I think we met on Clubhouse and there's loads of rooms on there that talk about personal personal branding how would you describe that if it was someone that wasn't aware what personal branding was and how is that different from your business brand everyone has a brand that's the key thing they don't realize it but they have a brand and obviously I'm here to a certain extent because what I said resonated with you when we were in clubhouse and I think that's a perfect example of personal branding in action it's how you make someone feel it's how you come across and how you show your expertise off Jeff Bezos who, who owns Amazon describes it as it's what people say about you when you leave the room that is really really important so a lot of when we're running a small business like an, an education tutor business, the personal brand and the business brand, they sort of sit side by side, they cross over on each other. Because if you're a small solopreneur, as you call it, or a solo managed own business, you are the brand. I'm the brand of Altering HQ. I've got teams of people that work with me behind the scenes, but I'm the face of it. So there's, there's a merging and a crossover. But yeah, it's about how you portray yourself online and offline and how you make people feel. And do you think like if you're speaking to a teenager, for example, or someone that hasn't really paid particular attention to their marketing online previously, is it possible to shift that brand completely to give a completely different impression of themselves? Yeah, totally. I mean, even when you're moving from industries, there is a totally different brand. I used to work in the music industry before this. I used to be a journalist. Um, I used to be a lot more rock and roll than I am now. And I think there was a shift in my personality in terms of moving from the music industry to move into more corporate stuff. Again, there's a difference between me working with a really large corporate into the way I'll deal with just a local business, not in the professionalism, but you're just a certain slightly different relationship. There's, I mean, I'm always quite casual as it is. I'm always quite informal. You can go from being a jokey person with your friends to like being serious when you need to be serious. And I think it's knowing how to portray yourself in the right scenario and right situation i think you can have your personal social media which you have a bit more fun with and then you can have your business brand or your professional brand so sometimes we tell teenagers okay you're active on instagram why don't you have a professional instagram and then have you on just for your friends that you lock down on private so looking at the different types of social media we've got like facebook twitter instagram linkedin those are probably like the most common ones that most people will be aware of and then we've got like tiktok and clubhouse and all the new ones that are kind of popping up um what would you say are the differences especially for educators kind of looking at promoting themselves and their personal brand and their business brand what are the subtle differences between all of them oh so many differences now i think it's changed from what it was when i started i mean as i said i started the business in 2009 and there were less platforms out there and there was less noise so now what i always say to people is 
is choose the platforms where your audience is likely to be. So we, you just mentioned all the newer platforms, Clubhouse and TikTok. And for people who are savvy, yes, you can create opportunities that come from these newer platforms. But if you're looking to grow a business, go where your audience are. So it, it could be if you're looking to like you're, you're tutoring people, maybe they're the children of the parents of the 14, 16 years old, you might be tutoring. Their parents might be on Facebook. So it's picking where your audience are and maybe drilling down on just two of the platforms to start with because you can't spread yourself thin across everything and hope to do LinkedIn well, Twitter well, Facebook well, Instagram well. Oh, and jump on Clubhouse a few hours a week. You can't do all of that. So I would say for people looking to reach parents, I would honestly say Facebook and um, Instagram are probably the obvious platforms, maybe depending on what type of parents you're looking to reach, maybe LinkedIn as well. I think there's a lot of information out there and I've been to loads of social media workshops and all sorts of things where people just literally say, just duplicate what you're putting up onto various platforms. And I did that for about four or five months and I realized actually the reach goes down because some things are not correct for certain platforms and there's a subtle difference between posting on LinkedIn and posting on Instagram for example you could have the same content Mm. but it has to be tweaked so what would be your kind of recommendation if there's like one piece of content that you'd normally put onto Facebook how do people understand what those subtle differences are because it's hard to explain it to someone new that's trying to create that division between the different platforms yeah i think you've got to understand why people are going onto the certain platforms so if you treat something like facebook they're, they're for instance predominantly most people go onto facebook to see what their friends and family are up to and then us as business owners interrupt that pattern so we've got to interrupt them in a way that stands out within the newsfeed because you're competing against baby photos or in normal times party photos or restaurant photos and so on so you've got to understand the nuances of why people are using it. On Instagram, people are looking for a bit of escapism. They're looking for something that makes them smile, something that makes them feel warm about themselves and their life. And then Twitter, they're going for news. And then LinkedIn, they're probably going for business content. So you've got to put content that is related to people who are business owners and how they maybe need to think about what their youth was like compared to their children's life. So there's so many different, understand why people are going onto certain platforms. Uh, TikTok they're going for fun that's what you've got to think of if you understand why they're going on the platforms that you then can then tailor the content to actually fit that platform and fit the reason people go on it and then it might be subtle things like the amount of hashtags you're using or the way the image is displayed but it's actually the why people are going on platforms which is the most important that's really interesting because I've never heard anyone say it that way. They've always said, oh, just think about where your audience is and gear it to them. But they've never said, oh, why are people on that platform? And that kind of shifts your mindset slightly into thinking about what kind of things will they interact with and will they stop to have a look at? So in terms of hashtags, and this is something that I've never understood. Yeah. I know that they used a lot on Instagram. How does it differ from hashtags on LinkedIn? And I know some people use them on Facebook and, and Twitter. What's the purpose of them and how can we kind of utilize them? So the purpose of a hashtag simply is to group together a conversation. So it's clickable. You can see one post that's interesting about a certain subject and go, oh, I'd like to discover more about that. So you click the hashtag and then you start to see more content based around that hashtag. So it might be an education. No, one of the hashtags in education is hashtag edu chat, E-D-U chat. 
at the end of it. And that's what people particularly talk about on Twitter, where they're talking about issues relating to education. In theory, by using certain hashtags on your post, you're extending the reach of your post outside your existing follower base or audience. So that's the main purpose for using it. Now, the differences between each of the different platforms is, well, how many hashtags do you use? So obviously, Instagram, you use a lot more hashtags. You see it in the body of a post where someone might have, you can have up to 30 hashtags, but the, the, the typical amount is 10 to 13. And then it will differ on Twitter to just being two or LinkedIn just being three in terms of how many you should be using. So it groups together a conversation, extends the reach of your post, and you use a different amount depending on each platform. So if you end up using like 30 on LinkedIn, does that like affect the post reach in a negative way? There's rumours that the platforms never give you the definitive answer that you actually want. So there is always been rumours, people sort of muttering or whispering about, yeah, if you go and put 30 hashtags at the end of a LinkedIn post, it will demote the reach of that post because actually most people aren't interested in the hashtags that you're using. So there is, there's always been rumours, but no definitive answer from the platforms themselves. Is that something that you've realised from your marketing experience? I think because I'm always on the platforms, I'm always reading the research, sort of you know the best practice. So it's typically what I would do was, go with the best practice so as i said mm-hmm. 10 to 13 instagram and so on for the different platforms so i don't really deviate from that apart from like one or two either side i would never go from like three on linkedin to then putting like 20 on linkedin i just wouldn't feel naturally i might tweak it occasionally when i need to put an extra one on are you curious to test it out to see what happens <laughs> is that worry that because you've heard reports of mutterings that could it reduce the reach? What if I just do it one post and then it reduces the reach of future posts that I put on? Because that's mm-hmm. what happens with the algorithm. And I find it interesting that on Facebook, if you use a like button, it doesn't give a positive or a negative kind of reach. But with if people are using other emojis like hearts and I can't remember what the others are, like laughing face and things like yeah. that, that you're going to get more reach from that post. Is that the same across the other platforms as well, where they've got a default setting where it doesn't really help with your reach lots of different pieces of research have been done on the differences between just your standard like button and all the other different reactions angry laughing face positive etc thumbs of support what has always been the truism of all of those regardless of whether type of reaction is a comment means more than a like so when you're looking to support a fellow business owner or someone that is in your networking circle or your circle of businesses that you work with always try and put a comment on there because it helps the person a lot more. It creates a discussion point and gets people seeing that post more. So I'd always say, regardless of the interaction, go for a comment rather than the thumbs up reaction. I think sometimes it takes the first person to start that comment off. Like if you see a post that has no comments, you don't want to be the first one to comment. You're like waiting for someone else to comment first. And it is more welcoming when you've seen like there's four or five comments in a post already. And you're like, oh, I could like add to that discussion as well. So yeah, I, and you definitely realize the difference in reach. So one of my recent LinkedIn posts, I've had the most number of views because so many people commented and it was about yeah. the clubhouse. It nearly hit 1500 views just because people were sharing it people were commenting so then their followers get to see it and then people are responding so comments make a huge huge difference absolutely they do as you said that first comment can kickstart something i've had post again the same where this is facebook's a classic one actually bizarrely not linkedin linkedin people are really supportive mm. on facebook i can put a, a post on my business page 
And I'm looking at it like 30 minutes later and no one's commented on, but a friend will then message me privately and go, oh, here's my thoughts on this post you just posted. I said, post that publicly on the actual post. And then bizarrely, they do go and post on that post. And then you get 10, 15 comments after it because that one person has made the effort to post publicly. And yeah. that is really important. Do you find that there's a lot of people that will not engage? And this has been something that I've seen time and time again that people have posted about where no engagement doesn't mean that you're not getting people interested in what you're posting and an example is like some of my best kind of customers have always been people that never actually post for engage with anything that I put up they read it they'll privately message me and they'll tell me that their opinion like you said but they'll never publicly say anything maybe because they don't want to use their public platform for anything that's not to do directly with their own business but what is your kind of opinion on that like do you find that there's loads of people that will not engage that are actually customers Yeah, I I actually did a post about this maybe last week or the week before, and it's the majority of your customers are going to be lurkers or stalkers rather than people that post on your content. What I mean by that is, yes, it's nice that people go and jump on and comment. I'd always recommend it because those people that comment help you reach the the silent majority, which is on most platforms, most people, 95% of people on social media will never like or comment on your post. As I said, the people that do comment help you reach those. So yeah, it happens all the time. People will be following me and reaching either hundreds or thousands on each of the social networks. And then they'll, they'll message me out of the blue, either email or they'll phone me or they'll drop me a direct message and say, I've been following you for a while now and now I want to buy from you. So yeah, it happens all the time. And do you find that the opposite happens where people that are always commenting and always liking aren't necessarily your customers or even the right people for you? Absolutely. Some of those people are posting to be be visible themselves. So they feel that if they comment, that they get seen themselves, which is true. But I always, I'm grateful for those people for commenting because I said they help you reach the lurkers. In terms of social media, what are your kind of your best platforms, do you think, for, for your particular type of business? And then what would you recommend for education? Yeah, for for my business personally, and I think it all boils down to how much time you're spending on each of the individual platforms. So I'll give you a reason why that's important later. But for me, it's Twitter and it's LinkedIn. I built my business in the early days on Twitter. And for that reason, it's still relevant for my business, even though it isn't for a lot of people. And then LinkedIn, because it's B2B. So I get traditionally get my larger, bigger clients from LinkedIn, like you said, the BBC, Costa Coffee and Selfridges all came from LinkedIn. And so that's my business. But I said every business is different. So for people watching this, if you're a local business who's looking to reach local parents, it's 100% Facebook and Instagram should be where you're spending your time, both not just posting, but engaging as well on Facebook engaging in groups as well as engaging on your own page. The reason I said that it's so important on where you spend your time, I know you've been on obviously Clubhouse um, a fair bit recently, as as I, experimenting, but there are people spending 10 times more than both we're spending on there. And they will tell you that Clubhouse is really working for their business. Yeah. If they're spending 12 hours a day on Clubhouse, it probably is. I haven't got the time to spend 12 hours a day on Clubhouse. I'm probably dipping in for a half an hour max a day most of the time. So therefore, Yes, I have had some early examples. I'm speaking here because of Clubhouse. But I think, yeah, it's where you spend your time. If you like the platform, you enjoy the platform and your customers are there, you can make any platform work for you. But you've got to be kind of sensible in terms of where are the majority 
of your customers. I've said the same things to people where they're like, oh, we need to be on this, we need to be on this, we need to be on this. And I'm like, wherever you choose, just dedicate your time to it. Because I'm a Facebook person. I spend a lot of my time on Facebook and I've built my entire businesses around Facebook and it works for me. And I think if I had the time to spend 12 hours on Facebook, I would get a lot more customers from there. (laughs) Just as if you've got time to spend 12 hours on Clubhouse. Clubhouse, I limit to like the evenings. I spend two hours on a Monday, two hours on a Wednesday, two hours on a Friday. And I do a room and then I just lurk around in a few other rooms and that's about it. Like, it's great. But I think it could get exhausting because it's constantly, you have to constantly listen. And for me, I'm a visual person. So it's not the normal sense that I like to use. I'm more of a visual person. So I I can scroll for hours and hours on Facebook and Insta and TikTok. (laughs) But when it comes to audio listening, I can only do that for um, a short amount of time. And I think two hours is max for me. But it's about what works for you and then utilizing that. So if someone is new and they're looking at setting up a brand new business, um, would you recommend then Facebook and Instagram are the two that they go for? Yeah, Instagram's easier to build from an outside perspective, I think. I mean, obviously, you can build up an audience on Facebook with your friends and family. But I think in terms of building up new customers, you can be more proactive on Instagram. But I think, yeah, definitely those two platforms don't expect results instantly on both of them. Like a lot of people fall for that mistake when they're setting up a business. Oh, I'm going to set up a business in the middle of February. I'm going to set my Facebook page up, set my Instagram page up, and all that customers will be flooded in by the 16th. It's not going to happen. You've got to like think it's long-term. It takes the time to build up a business, but obviously social media can accelerate that if you use it in the right way. Like Facebook, I've recently realized that they've changed quite a lot of the advertising, the way that you advertise, like especially in Europe where you can't set up messages directly to adverts. Do you think that Facebook is becoming harder to reach more organically? Because I've noticed with pages as well, (laughs) unless you boost not everyone that's liked or follow the page will see it as well. So do you find that when a social media platform is first setting up, that they will give you lots of engagement and reach? And then over time, that diminishes because they're trying to get you to monetize what you're doing. Yeah, it's always been the case. It's what you call first move advantage. So the people that jumped on Clubhouse straight away have built the audience up. And Facebook's been around for what i think it was its 17th anniversary a couple of weeks ago now so 17 years of facebook so it's been around a long time and pretty much it's the world's biggest social network everyone is there so algorithmically just the sheer number of people on facebook means your posts aren't going to be seen i mean i think the average user traditionally if they saw every update from friends family members and pages they like they could see up to 1500 updates a day and Facebook therefore limits it to about 20%. So you'd actually, you can still see 300 updates a day, which is a huge amount. And it's your job as a business owner to produce the most entertaining or educational content out there so people interact with it and you get in that top 20%. So how do you get up to that top 20%? Because if they're not showing your post to the people anyway, how do you then make the first steps into getting that sort of reach, even with people that are liking and following your page? So what happens is Facebook starts to show it to a small percentage of your audience. So let's say my page, for instance, my Ultimate HQ Facebook page, we've got what, 10,000 followers on that page. It's not going to just go out and show it to 10,000 people to start with. It'll show it to maybe 
a few hundred people based on that interaction from those few hundred people. So if they start liking it, commenting it, sharing it, Facebook goes, oh, people are interested in this post. So it starts showing it to more people. Imagine like your inner circle and it goes out from that inner circle. So if it's interesting enough to get the early people interacting with it, Facebook then shows it to more people. At the end of the day, it's a business tool. You don't need to reach thousands to build your business. So you might have thousands of followers on your page. Like I've got 10,000. I don't need 10,000 customers. I can't service 10,000 customers. I need 10,000 people to maybe see it for a certain amount to get onto my website for a certain amount to then buy from me. I only need about 10 to 15 customers a month to make my business busy enough to fill the diary out. That's all I need out of 10,000 people. So you've got to think the same. How many actual people can you serve as a tutor? What is your bandwidth for capacity? Because it's vanity metrics if you're just reaching thousands, but no one's actually buying from you. It's true. I guess then the other thing is that people that like your page have to be genuine customers. And just to get random people to like your page or, or to kind of get other educators to like your page is probably not the wise thing because if they're not going to engage, if they're not your customers then you're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Exactly. It's, it's got to be ideal customers or people who can help you reach those ideal customers are the two sort of people you want on your pages or social media. Brilliant. And for anyone that's looking into paid social media advertising, um, what would you recommend? Because there's so many options out there. There's like Facebook ads, there's Google ads, there's YouTube ads, there's Insta, well, every pa- platform at the moment you can monetize. I don't know how, whether you can on TikTok, but I'm assuming Clubhouse you'll be able to soon as well. And Clubhouse is really interesting. I actually dreamt about Clubhouse Friday night, Saturday night. Like <laughs> I, I need to get out. That kind of made me realize I'm only spending like six, seven hours a week and I'm still like dreaming about Clubhouse. But just going back to the ads question, if you're on Facebook, is Facebook ads the way or would you still recommend going to Google ads and directing people to the website? Like what would you recommend for someone that's starting out? Think how your target customers would discover you. Think about what their mindset is. So Facebook adverts can work, but it's got to be at the right time. There's no point in just boosting posts at totally random times. So think when someone is thinking about maybe getting a tutor for their their children. Think about that. When are people going to be thinking that? Now, you know that more than me. Is it the beginning of term? Is it when exam periods come up? Think about what people are thinking about there and then. Google's always going to be a good result for that as well. So you've got Facebook adverts. What is the mindset? And again, Google, you pay for your paid adverts on Google exactly when people are thinking of like searching for English tutor London, English tutor Sheffield, or whatever they're searching for. It's about timing and it's about how they're going to find you. Now, I'd say, yeah, paid for works, but you've got to link the organic in with it as well. So you've got to have good reviews on your Facebook page. You've got to have good Google reviews. Because if you are paying to get that reach, you want to make that best possible first impression as well when people do discover you so look at what your reviews are doing on the social media or the google as well and in terms of reviews where again there's so much choice it all boils down to choice we've got so much social media choice (laughs) we've got so much ads marketing choice and i guess the third one is where do we put our reviews because again (laughs) there's so much choice do we put them on facebook do we put them on google do we put them on trustpilot or do we put them on our website like where do you recommend having reviews in place i would say for, for tutors definitely facebook and google because I think Trustpilot's taking them somewhere else. I wouldn't naturally think to look at Trustpilot for a tutor business or something like that. You're going to get re-recommended on Facebook 
or you're going to get recommended at the school gates when people get back to schools or you're going to be recommended for a whatsapp group and the first thing they're going to do is look at your facebook page or look at your google page and that's where it's going to display i mean my business is slightly different i've built up my business i've got 500 and something um, LinkedIn reviews because that suits my market in terms of going for large corporate types. Now I've realized that actually quite a lot of people Google me as well. So my concentration for 2021 is upping the number of Google reviews to tick that box in terms of what if someone discovers me from Google, doesn't realize I have 500 reviews on LinkedIn. And I've got 18-ish now, which is still good. And they're all good reviews. But I, and my target is to get to 50 reviews by the end of this year on Google. That's the target. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I think with Google reviews, the uh, more reviews you have, the more likely that you're going to be ranked higher if, yeah. if there's multiple people with the same kind of search terms in their ad. Yeah, so you're going to be ranked higher in terms of yeah, your Google My Business page. Um, so yeah, where you appear on the map, where you appear close to someone, obviously there's many other factors, location and so on like that. But I think, again, it's good business practice to actually look who your competition is and look how they're performing in terms of reviews. Because I've just given you numbers about where I want to be at. The reason I want to be at 50 reviews is because there's a local social media company to me that has got about 30 something reviews. You've got none on LinkedIn, but on Google, they've got more than me. So I obviously say 50 would put me well ahead of them. And you've got to think like, okay, if you've got five reviews on Google and the five stars, what happens if your competitors got a hundred five-star review? Your customer is going to go with the one with a hundred reviews. And again, I guess it comes down to uh, where you're focusing on. Like, where do people decide what to focus on? So there's an area that they focus on in terms of their day-to-day posting. Then there's an area that they focus on in terms of where their customers will search for them. So where their reviews are going to be. And then I guess there's an area to focus on on where you put your ads. Mm -hmm. So there's multiple different areas to kind of look at. Where else would you suggest someone that's working in the education sector would kind of focus their marketing on does that cover everything do you think i think the the three things you just mentioned in the main yeah ads social and search are probably the three main areas you just mentioned i would also add and i know we can't do it at the moment because we're in the middle of a pandemic but i would also add in face-to-face networking it's been the foundation of grow my business as well as social media again it depends whether you consider yourself a local business or now because of the world of zoom you can work anywhere in the world so it works if you're a local business but i think getting out and people seeing your face and seeing your name is a really good place to actually start building your brand and linking it in with social. So if you've got the local, we've got like Altrincham Festival where we live and it happens every June. If you're a tutoring business and you get a stall there with your pop-up banner and people see you there, then they see you on Facebook, then they see your reviews, it all links together. And if there's a local networking group, which you might not think works for a tutoring business, but a lot of the people that attend business networking groups will also be parents as well. So it's like getting people to know you and just turning up to the same events and similar events where you get to build those relationships with people in an authentic way. And then suddenly they're thinking of you because they've seen you on a, a 
a Tuesday afternoon and then they go in to meet someone who goes, oh, James is struggling with his geography at the moment. He really needs a tutor. So they recommend you because they know you do geography tutoring or whatever. Face to face is an integral part. It's all about personal branding and branding your business properly. So then you become an expert in that field and people remember you. And so if something comes up, they'll be like, oh, I know someone. And you're searchable as well then, because then they'll go and search for you. So do you think then, because of the whole social media push at the moment, that things like business cards and traditional ways of marketing like flyers no longer are like the norm or needed anymore? I, I still think they're needed. And you wouldn't expect to say that from a social media person. I think everything plays a part in the mix. That's the thing. You've got to link across platforms on social. You've got to link in how people see you offline. The one thing I'd say wouldn't probably work for a lot of businesses, it just doesn't, is um, local newspaper advertising. I, I don't think this generation or the generation that are even parents now look at the local newspaper. I think if, yeah, if you're looking to attract the grandparents, maybe, but not the actual parents. So, I think flyers would work as well, believe it or not. One of the best friends actually delivers flyers or used to deliver flyers around where we're based. And if you do it soullessly, i.e. one flyer through one letterbox, rather than you just your flyers in the middle of eight, eight different flyers, it still works and it still gets people's attention because actually less people are doing it at the moment. So you actually stand out. And do you track where your kind of customers come from? And do you think that's a vital way of finding out which social media platform or non-social media platform is working? Yeah, I always track. I use lots of things like the insights and the analytics online. But whenever someone gets in touch with me via email, I don't do it on when they first get in touch with me because you're more concentrated on getting the sale itself or getting them to buy in from you. But once they've actually bought in from me, the conversation usually arises on how they've discovered us. Sometimes it will in the initial point of contact. Sometimes I'll actually go, oh, I've seen you on Facebook and now I want to get in touch with you. So I have an idea of what is working from me, from what people have actually told me and how they've discovered me. But I think there's a lot of different touch points that people might have discovered me. Sometimes it's a mixture of social media, knowing someone that's worked with us, and seeing our reviews. So there's a lot of mixtures and crossover in what we do. Well, there is a big push on ads at the moment, um, which dilutes the market. So what what would you suggest that companies do to kind of stand themselves apart from everyone else? Because there's loads of tutoring and educational business and all of that kind of stuff happening at the moment. Um, So what kind of would make people stand apart in a world which is very diluted at the moment? I think it's down to the quality of your offering in terms of what you're putting out there online. Like I noticed when we had that discussion on Clubhouse and I went over to your Instagram, I was like, oh, how did you do your graphics? Because they're quite good. They, They stand out more than other people have seen do Canva images. And yeah, and you told me you did them from scratch. And I think it's things like that, like not just putting half thought out content on your social media. So don't just do a really average graphic. Don't just nick something from Google image search and put it out and put the same stuff as everyone else. Try and have a point of difference in terms of the way that you tell your story, the content you pull out there. So my difference is I've got 20 years marketing experience. I used to work in rock and roll. I used to be a journalist. I used to run an events company. And then when people come to me, they're coming for that story, the 20 years experience. They're also buying into me because of the number of reviews. They're also buying into the face, not the face, but the fact that I put a face to the brand. I'm not faceless. So people know exactly who they're buying from. And I also talk about my personal life on social media as well. I don't talk about everything. I'm not like a totally open book, 
But there's certain things I will talk about, like my running or the fact I like music or the fact I'm vegan. I'll talk about those three bullet points generally. People feel they know me before they've actually met me. So our client that we met, our new client, which we're managing the social media for, which we met just before we were recording this, someone actually came up to me in the hometown and said, I saw you running early today and now I've just seen you at this coffee shop. I've been meaning to get in touch with you and it must have been fate that I saw you twice in one day. And he goes, I feel I know you already. I know you don't know me. But it's like, it's that putting that face is really, really important. That is how you'd stand out rather than just graphics as well. And I know you include yourself in your graphics, but being personable is really important. Mm. And it makes such a big difference because I did radio for two years and I knew there were a lot of people listening to the show and most of the people I'd never, ever spoken to, but you'd meet someone on the street and they'd overhear me talking. They'd be like, I know your voice from somewhere. They obviously didn't know what I look like, but they recognized my voice. And they're like, oh, I, I feel like I know you forever. And it's not how I thought you'd look like. I thought you'd be a bit more fatter than you are. <laughs> um, but like just things like that, where the people think they know you from hearing your voice or, or reading what you've written. Yeah. And when they reach out, they're like, oh, I've been following you for, for a while. I really kind of like what you say about stuff because I talk a lot about my values online. Yeah. Um, on my profile, on Facebook profile, a lot about my values and what I stand for. And people like that. They like knowing who you are rather than just being this kind of opinionless kind of person or robot where you're not here or there and you're not opinionated about anything. You're just like coasting along because they they like to know that you agree and you disagree on some things. Mm. And I think that's part of your personal brand, knowing like how strongly you go on social media and when it comes to certain opinions. Yeah, it definitely helps. I mean, I think that's the reason we've stood out so much as a social media company because there is a face to it. I'm not just sharing the same old articles that every other social media person is sharing. I'm not just like faceless. I think a lot of people go behind it. They might have a, a face on their social media, but they never put themselves out there. So I think there's a difference between just showing your face and putting yourself out there as well. What about for companies that are slightly bigger where uh, it's not just about one key person? Do you still believe that there should be a face that represents the company, even if that person is not maybe the first port of contact that people meet? Definitely. I think it's actually easier when you've got a bigger company because it's not just based around the one person. So the company we met earlier today one of the big things that we were discussing is actually they've been around for quite a a number of years. They've got quite a lot of staff. We can show off at least one different member of staff each week and get to see a sort of behind the scenes glance at what is going on. So yeah, if you're a a larger firm with lots of tutors, maybe you've got 20, 30 tutors on your books, you can definitely introduce different members of the team, celebrate people's birthdays, work anniversaries, talk about what they're doing in the middle of lockdown, talk about the charity stuff they're doing. There is so many different ways to put out if you're a big firm. I think that's the biggest mistake that corporates do make is they they do think too corporate. They do think, oh, okay, it's about paying thousands of pounds for your branding and just making sure your branding's on point. But you know what? An, an iPhone photo of a staff member will probably perform better on social media. That's really interesting. So, for people that have kind of listened to the whole thing here, what would the, be the top three kind of pointers that you would give them in terms of supporting them on their kind of social media marketing journey? Yeah, so I would say there's probably three points that I would say. The first part is be a content machine. 
And what I mean by that is you've got to produce content on a regular basis. That might be written blogs. It might be videos. It might be canvas-style images which you show off. It might be a personal update with a photo of it. But you've got to think like you're not just a tutoring business or an education business. You're a media business as well. So produce content at scale. The second thing I would say is be consistent with your posting. So you do need to be turning up to social media on a daily basis in an interesting way. It can't just be something you post once a week or it can't just be something you post once every other week, which sometimes businesses, believe it or not, will do. And the third thing I would say is be engaging with your local or targeted community about who you want to reach. So it's not just about posting at 2 p.m. on, say, a Tuesday and then disappearing. But then it's about chatting to the people online that you've chosen to follow and people that have chosen to follow you. So, yeah, produce content, be consistent and engage with your audience. Brilliant. That's great. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining us today and kind of sharing oh, that. And I think if people wanted to reach out to you, you've got your website address. Do you want to just spell it out for them for the podcast? Yes, it's altringhq.co.uk, which is spelled A-L-T-R-I-N-C-H-A-M hq.co.uk so it's in the town altringhq.co.uk and we're altringhq on most of our social media platforms apart from linkedin where i'm under my name which is alex mccann brilliant i think that's brilliant i think you'll have a couple of educators reaching out and asking for information and maybe even working with you which i think is brilliant um and i might see you on clubhouse at some point definitely i'll be i'll be there some point this week definitely you run a clubhouse room, don't you? We've just started one at 8am on a Monday morning, which I know is quite early for some. Um, it's called The Social Conversation. It's what we talk about. It's, it's things that have happened on social media over the past seven days. So it can be very varied subjects. Imagine it quite casual, like the big breakfast used to be, or loose women, or the right stuff. It's just talking and having a casual chat and getting to know people and what stands out and interests them. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot. Cheers. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation and took lots of value from it for your business. Now, if you did, please remember to do me a huge favor and rate and review on your podcast app. And if you don't want to miss another episode, please remember to subscribe. Now, if you missed anything or you want to find out what's coming up next, remember to go to ukeducators.com forward slash podcast, where there's lots of information about the guests upcoming and those that we've already had. I'm Sid, you've been listening into the UK Educators Community Podcast and I'll see you next Sunday when we release a new episode.